Hello everyone, Pastor Marco here. Just want to welcome you to our podcast. We're glad to be able to share God's word with you. Want to let you know that we have a brand new website, newlifesouthcoast.com. It's a great place to stay connected and involved in the life of the church. Listen, if you live in the area, come check out one of our Sunday morning services, 9.30 or 11.30. It's a powerful time, and we also have kids' ministry for all ages. I believe this message is going to encourage you and challenge you today, but also make sure you share it with a friend who needs to hear the Word of God. Blessings. It's pretty wild to be sitting here. Two years ago, I was thinking about killing myself, and now I'm sitting across from a pastor. Two years ago? Two years ago. So crazy, Matt. Um... As you know, it's a big epidemic in our city and in our region. This, this drug epidemic is taking so many people we know. We both know a lot of people. have done a lot of funerals since being here. Um, and I'm sure you met a lot of people uh, in that same boat. And so I just want to have a conversation about it, you know what I mean, for someone that's been there and you've seen the other side. Uh, and so we're hoping that this can kind of shed light on some things and help some people along the way. Um, so let me ask you this, right? So as you said, two years ago, you were almost on the brink of suicide. Right. Um, when did it all start for you? Like, when did it, that whole lifestyle got a hold of you? Like, take us back there, you know? All right. Um, well, even before drugs and alcohol, I always felt like some sort of disconnection from, uh, like, a lot of people and, and emotional, like, detachment. And uh, probably like 12, 13 years old, I, I had my first drink. And um, I don't know, I felt too, I felt it was soothing to have that drink, you know. And I felt some sort of connection to something. I felt at ease. And um, I felt like I'd be myself around my friends now. And uh, it took off very quickly. I uh, eventually started smoking weed. Like within the same year, I, I remember I was in the sixth grade smoking weed and drinking. Like it was no big deal. I look at that now, it's just crazy. And, um, you know, it, it progressed. By the time I graduated high school, I was already um, doing ecstasy and, and amphetamines and things like that. And uh, I was a full-blown addict and alcoholic by the time I graduated high school. Wow. Like, I remember my senior year, I was like 30 pounds underweight and uh, just off and running. What do, you, what do you think drove you there, man? I, I had, like, a lot of fear and... Anxiety, and uh, I was seeking. I was seeking something else outside of me. You know, I was seeking, seeking like I could. I, I couldn't feel a connection to somebody or, or another person without being under the influence of something. I always, I always felt like a disconnect. It, I, I I really can't explain it without um. I don't know, but the more I did it, the more I needed, and. Uh, Every substance that I, I used, it eventually stopped working, and I had to move on to something stronger or a combination of something to uh, fulfill that that like longing inside. <clears throat> and you said by by high school you were already. I was already I was already hooked on like hard drugs by the time I graduated high school. I um, you know, I would go through periods where I would sober up for a little bit. I would start exercising I would find the right girlfriend I always thought something outside of me was gonna gonna repair me like whether it was substances a girlfriend um a certain amount of money the right job and uh it all fell short eventually it was like very fleeting like fulfillment <clears throat> um but by the time I was 23 24 I had uh I had moved on to opiates which at that time it was mostly Percocets and uh 
I ended up getting a DUI right here in New Bedford, too, before I lived here. And um, at that time, I, I was extremely hopeless. I, I, uh, I was extremely depressed. So that DUI kind of sent me over the edge. I spent a uh, night in jail. And then the, um, the next night, I, uh, I wrote a bunch of goodbye letters. And I, uh, I, I, I downed a bottle of sleeping pills thinking I would never wake up again. This was when you were 23, you said? 23, 24, yeah. I, I thought that would... I thought that my life had been written, that that was the end of it. So you had more than one yeah. thought of suicide yeah. through this yeah. process. I, I was hopeless at a very, like, probably before I even graduated high school. Wow. I, I, uh, I kept, I didn't realize how sick it was until, you know, the last few years. Um, I always put, like, an expiration date on my life. Like, I'm not going to live past 25. Uh, I'm not going to, I sure as heck didn't think I was going to reach 30. Hmm. But um, I ended up waking up. And uh, spending like three days in the in the ICU, and uh, then that kind of started off a chain of being in and out of psychiatric hospitals and uh, detoxes and uh, more substances, and, and it, it didn't get any better. So, from the period of like twenty three, twenty four, what other things do you end up getting into? Like what other drugs and and well. Twenty three, twenty four is more oxycotton and Percocets and things like that. And uh, I remember I, I went to a doctor. I said I'm, I'm having some withdrawal problems, and uh, he prescribed me something else that was that was addictive. So now I have now I'm drinking, uh, doing oxy's, and, and now I'm on clonopin too. So now I have like this. I'm just walking around high all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> um. I eventually did sober up for about a year after that suicide attempt. Um, it, it was actually a pretty painful year in my life because I had no uh, no idea how to live without substances. Mm. And um, I eventually uh, the pain got too great. I ended up having a drink in it, and it just spiraled out of control very shortly after that. I was probably in a hospital within a few months after having a. Uh, just one drink, you know, it spiraled back, back, back out of control. And that was about a year after you would be sober for yeah. a little bit? Yeah, yep. And then, um, you know, I tried uh, sports, you know, I tried to I tried to get clean through sports and, and martial arts, and uh, that worked for a little bit. And uh, I ended up blowing out my knee after after a year of training in, in my first tournament, and I got put back on um, narcotics for about six months, and... Um, that that's when uh, other things started coming into play. I started getting into uh, suboxone, started treating my drug addiction with more more drugs. I was just getting them from a doctor now, and uh, that that really wasn't much of a lifestyle either. Yeah, you know, I always felt like an empty shell of myself. I I and I very rarely. Uh, had a sober breath, whether it, whether I was on Suboxone or drinking or, or something. And then eventually I did move on to uh, heroin and uh, crack cocaine for a little while. And, um, man, within like two weeks, everything that I owned was, was sold or pawned. Stuff that I didn't own was sold and pawned, too. Wow. Um, I turned into a thief, uh, a liar. Um, uh, if you crossed my path, there was a good chance you were getting hurt. Emotionally, physically, it was uh, it was a des- destructive life. And speaking of that, like, what what did that do for 
your like social life as far as like friends, family? Like how how was that? I always had like two sets of friends. Ones that I like to party with that you know didn't mind a guy like that because. And then I always had friends that I'd go to for comfort when I was when I was struggling or I wanted to get out of it. So, uh, but my family, one by one, they started started turning away. And, and same thing with my good 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 hearted friends, not not my drug buddies, my my good hearted friends. They started dropping one by one. They they couldn't they couldn't they wanted more for me. They wanted hope for me. They had hope for me, but they couldn't see see me getting out of it. So yeah. you know. What's, what would you say was the lowest you got in all of this? Uh, the lowest I got was uh, I had a son. Um, this is probably one of the more painful uh, moments. When my son was born, I was holding him, and uh, I remember making him a promise, like, right then and there, like, this is going to be the end of this. It was probably a few hours after he was born, and I promised him. I said, you know, your dad's going to stop this, and, you know, it's time to grow up. It's time to be a man. And uh, we were home from the hospital maybe a few hours, and I, I relapsed. You know, I, I stole from his mother. And, uh, you know, that, that next day, I, I couldn't believe that. I had broken the first promise that I had made my child. That, that, that one beat me up. I, I didn't recover from that for another year. <clears throat> um, How old were you when your son was born? I was, well, he's four now, about 31. 31? Yeah. And you would say that... It's probably one of the lowest point of yeah, that was my this whole point, yeah. Because up until that point, it was, I had family, but I never really had, um, being a father, you know, I felt like I would have purpose now. Like, that was going to be my ticket out of this. Like, the because lo- I, I love my son as soon as he was born. I figured the love that I had for my son would be, be great enough to break that chain, and it, and it wasn't. It was, that, that uh, sent me for a loop. <clears throat> so what happened after that? Uh, I struggled on for another year. I tried to, his mother and I, we tried to make it work, and she eventually asked me to leave the house. Um, I ended up going back into a clinic and getting on on suboxone, and uh, I ended up getting uh, joint legal custody of my son. So I'm seeing my son, and uh, I'm just really trying to balance between being a drug addict, uh, an, an employee, and a father, and uh, my hope is diminishing, like, very quickly and um, about a year later I entered into uh, about 2015 the summer of 2015 is uh, I, I put a, a very definitive uh, expiration date on my life I, I've really told myself I'm going to spend this summer with my son I'm going to spend as much time as I can with him and then uh, I'm, I'm going to check out because uh, I can't I don't, I've heard everyone that I've loved I can't do this to my son I can't, I can't be in and out of his life I can't um, I, I can't come and go out of this child's life. I'm not going to do this to him. I figured that that would be a better solution than than to do that. <clears throat> Today, I, I can't believe that I, that was even a thought. Like, I was manipulating the, the clinic, and um, I was buying them off the street, and uh, something happened they they said, we can't give you any more. They said, you can go into a detox or you can go on methadone. And I was like, you know what, I'll just go home. I just went home. I called my son's mother. I said, you know, I'm coming off some medication. I'm going to need a few days, so I'm not going to be able to see my son. I told my boss, I said, you know, I'm going to need a few days off of work. And uh, 
about six days later, um, I was really sick. I was, uh, you know, I wasn't eating, I wasn't showering, I wasn't doing much of anything except for laying on the couch. I um, I drove out to a beach. I was pretty pretty beat down. I drove out to Gooseberry Island, and uh, I was sitting there, and I was just. I kept asking myself all kinds of questions, like how how did I get like this? Uh, why am I now entering into like a long, lengthy uh, withdrawal process from from this drug again, or, or drugs in general? And um, I was crying, and uh, I just remember saying like I can't do it anymore. And I remember getting it like an answer, like you don't have to do it anymore, and like. Man, I had like such relief right at that. At the, if I had to put like a like a stop point to my life, my new life, it would be right then and there. I, I had such a relief at at that point, you know. I remember like the tears changed from feeling pity and, and you know for myself to like gratitude. Like I had, uh, I could breathe pretty easy for a guy that was six days in the withdrawal, you know. I um, I even said to myself, man. I, you didn't take nothing today because I, I kind of felt I kind of felt high, you know. Yeah. But I, it had been six days into a withdrawal, so from there I reached out to people that had been through what I've been through. And uh, that night, I didn't, I'm like, don't just go home and do nothing. Don't go back on the couch. Like whatever this is going on, I didn't know it was God, you know. I didn't, I didn't I really wasn't sure what it was. I said whatever this is, you have an opening. Better you better jump on it. And um, I ended up reaching out to people that had um, been through what I had been through. And then a few days later, a guy called me and didn't even know me. He said, hey, I heard you, you're looking for help. And I said, yeah, I am. And uh, he said, well, why don't you meet me here? And uh, I began to spend a lot of time with this guy. He um, he was a man of God. He uh, he took me through the 12 steps. He he, he got me comfortable with praying and, and just speaking to God. He, he said, it doesn't have to be a perfect prayer to speak to him. Just be grateful too, you know. He he took me through the twelve steps, but he also did other things outside of that. He invited me into his home. He showed me what it was like for for a man to love his wife and, and his kids. He sh- he showed me genuine love, and, and uh, he didn't want anything from me except for to get better. During that twelve step process, I uh, I got invited to New Life too, and uh, the twelve step process that I was in it it didn't really specify what God to pray to when, when I went to started going to new life it was like a game changer for me it was uh, now, now I have a God and it's it's a real God it's a very active God that's available to anybody so my prayer life grew my spiritual life grew when I started going to new life <clears throat> um, within like eight months from that last substance I, I I, I was I was free, you know. I, I believe I was free on the beach, but it required some work. And what what was? Why, why do you say eight months? Like what 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 stands out to you after those eight months that you feel like I'm a completely different person? Um, I stopped thinking. Like I, I could wake up free, go to bed free. I never really thought about getting high or or uh, ever going back to that lifestyle. I think, um, and after eight months, I, I had uh, got my mother back in my life, too. You know, I, I hadn't talked to my mother in probably about four years due to substance abuse issues, you know, so just uh, flipping out. And, and to have my mother back in my life after that long, it was like, I, 
And God. Not not only did I have my mother back in my life, but my son now had a grandmother that he had never met. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty special moment for them two to meet. Yeah. Now that you look back, Matt, I mean, this is crazy journey uh, from just going to the beach and feeling like that was that was it yeah. to hearing this voice that now you you connect to be in the voice of God and get into a church and go into the 12 steps um, what other things have you would say have really kept you on this on this path knowing that's been two years now uh, reaching out for the guy that's reaching out to a guy that's still struggling you know staying connected with, with people in the church uh, I've really um I've really narrowed, not narrowed, I've really cut down on who, what opinions I listen to today. You know, I really value the friendships that I've made at New Life because I know that the, that the advice I'm getting is, is good, godly advice, and I don't really listen to too much of the world anymore. Um, if, I, if I continue to listen to the world, I'd probably still be on Suboxone or dead by now. I really, uh, I really made some deep... The counseling is very therapeutic to sit down with somebody that's been through what you've been through and to give you uh, godly advice. I undid more with with a man, a a man of God, than I I had done in like 15 years of uh, of therapy. You know what I mean? I I got out some deep rooted issues with 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 that man. Mm. Um, Today, I stay connected to to people in the church. I stay people connected to people in recovery. I. uh, if I see someone struggling, I offer a hand. What would you say to someone that's in that lifestyle right now? It, it's hard to see that you're in a lifestyle that, that you can't get out of, but that there is freedom from it. There is freedom from it, and there's a life beyond what you can comprehend right now. You know, if you're, if you're, really, if you're tired of living like this and you, and you want to be done, you can be done. You, you really can. You can... I think a lot of times we put these blockades in front of us, like I'll never, almost like that self-worth, we put a very low self-worth on ourselves, like I'll never get married, I'll never be a father, I'll never have a kid, all those things are possible. That's awesome. And uh, outside of, because you said it, like that the 12 steps, you felt like it wasn't the full Thing that you needed, right? Um, and you, you mentioned, you know, your, your your relationship with God. So how do you, how do you, uh, from your perspective, how do you talk to someone that it's not really they're not religious, right? But they're like, I'm not into all that stuff, yeah. like, and, and you weren't either, right. right? So how do you do you reconcile that? I'm not sure I understand the question. Yeah, I guess I guess what I'm asking is, uh, you know, to someone that thinks like. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I hear you, but the religion thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, how do you, how do you see it for yourself? Like, how did that has helped you to be more than just religion? You right. know what I'm saying. For me, I just try to be a living, breathing testimony of what God's done. So it's easy for me to say there's a God because, like, like, like I said, I was at the point where I was going to kill myself to feeling freedom, and to now be sitting in front of, in front of you, it's. It's a lot, you have to walk the walk. You have to, you know. 
Yeah. No, no, again, I'm just trying to get your perspective on it because yeah. I know sometimes, you know, we talk about these things and we try to tell people, like, your help does come from your, from, from your creator, you know, right. loves you, cares about you. And sometimes people have a tendency to just want to, like, stiff arm that. Yeah. They're like, oh, the whole religion thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it, it is tough because the things that got me well are, are really things that I thought at one time were, were goofy, you know? Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is, it's humbling to get down on your knees. At first, I got down on my knees and I just asked God to just please give me sober. And then that relationship grew, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say because it's like sometimes people just think that the very thing that you're trying to stiff arm is the very thing you need. Right. You know, and not realizing that it's not about religion, really. It's about really connecting with the person that created you in the first place right. who can understand the hurt, the drive, the passion that you have, but also the desire to be free. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and a lot of times, that's the part that sometimes people get, get a hung up on. You know what I mean? Because yep. we go by just straight facts, but not realizing that, uh, yeah, facts don't tell the truth, the whole story of your human being. You know, right. Like you said earlier, the vacuum in the heart, you know, the, the longing to feel alive or to feel connected, uh, these are all spiritual questions, you know what I mean, that we have, and not realizing that sometimes we turn to these substance, not real, not realizing that we're, we're longing for something deeper than just that. Right. It didn't start with somebody handing me a Bible and say, read the Bible. It yeah. started with uh, just another man trying to help me out and trying to get me comfortable with praying yeah. and, and talking to talk, talking to God, just talking to him, building a relationship. That's where it started for me. Yeah, which is awesome, yeah. you know, to, to, to show, like, the power of community just yeah. with one more person yeah. who cares enough to, to have a conversation. You don't want anything from me. It's to see me get well and be a father to my son. Yeah, yeah. which is awesome. So now it's been two years. Two years. Uh, since uh, since you've been here, um, what are you um, what are you excited most about life right now? The possibilities are endless, honestly. <laughs> I, I mean, just to even be sober, it, it's awesome. But like, I want to live now. Like, I have I have a drive for life. I, I eventually would like to get married and own a home. Like, these are things I never thought were possible. I want I want my I see my son go through college. You know. I, be a coach on a sports team you yeah. know i teach my son how to to fish ride a bike like yeah. i've done all these things in two years that i never even thought were possible that's awesome yeah that's awesome and that's what we, we pray that your your story can be an inspiration to to someone out there that there is hope you know and like where none of us are too far gone that there is a god who loves us there's community of people that still cares and and i'm so happy to be able to stand here with you and hear you share your story and have this side of it right. as opposed to just one side. You know, a lot of times people just on that hopeless side. But thank God that there's hope, you know. We put up this wall, you know, and the wall is really in our minds. There's really no, nothing that separates you from from having a life worth living. It's just in your mind. You got you got you got to put in some work and stop praying. That's that's really what I did in the beginning. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for sharing your story, man. I believe this is going to speak to a lot of people and, and help a lot of people. And we're so happy to have you as part of our church. And uh, and just we love you. We love your son. And, and it's awesome to see. And like we always like to say, the best is still yet to come. Yes. Right? Bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope that did encourage you. And then you can share it with someone who needs to hear from God. And we hope to see you soon. God bless.